What's up, Freedom Chasers? Have you ever thought about getting into commercial real estate? Commercial agents make on average 140% more than residential realtors do. Our guest team individually made 250% more commissions on average than residential realtors by focusing on working with investors, building their portfolios, rather than focusing on getting listings to advertise for sale, which is something residential realtors should be doing anyways. Like you should be connecting with investors. But she's gonna tell us how to get into commercial real estate right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. Right, I am blessed to be sitting here with the commercial queen, Jolene Desmond. She has 20 years of commercial real estate experience. She was a large loan asset manager for a seven billion dollar CMBS portfolio, becoming a licensed commercial realtor and advisor. She currently owns KC Commercial Real Estate, which closed the year at 16 million in closed contraction transactions, and they still have 8 million more under contract. Wow, Jolene, you are absolutely crushing it. I am so excited to be talking with you. So any residential realtors out there that are listening, like what are they doing wrong? What why should they be in commercial instead of residential? Thank you. I'm so very grateful for you to have me on your podcast. Thank you, Tim, for having me here. Um, commercial real estate, I absolutely love. If you are a residential agent, it can become very difficult to find places to learn about commercial real estate. And then making that transition from residential into commercial has its own hurdles. In addition, I think that. The things that residential agents do wrong is they either get stuck in thinking that they have to do all of the classroom learning, the book learning, and get comfortable before they actually get out there and take action. Or you have agents that jump out there and take action with and just um, either way, um, you have other commercial real estate professionals who will see you as a resi marshal agent. And I think that the best way to overcome that and fully make that transition is to work with somebody who knows what they're doing, who can mentor you, um, and work on focusing and making that complete transition from residential to commercial. And I think that the best way to do that is to get a very, very baseline learning in the classroom and jump out there into the field and start doing it with that mentorship um, at your back. And starting at a place where you're focusing on leasing transactions, representing buyers, is a great way to build consistent income to replace your residential income, and then learn how to become a buyer's rep from there and really scale your business um, and make that hard from residential. Perfect. So I got quite a few questions already. So number one, you don't recommend being resumercial. <laughs> I like that term. Um, and I totally agree with you. I think in general, people should focus on one thing, maybe two, but no more than two things. Um, in commercial, you obviously have multiple verticals, as you just said, because you could do leasing as well as the, the full building sale, right? So there's multiple things you could do in commercial. You should choose one or the other. If you're trying to do both, you're going to do both not super well, right? So I love where you're going there. 
You mentioned the leasing income. So let's talk about that because I'm not super familiar with commercial leasing. I imagine it pays a lot better than residential leasing does. So why don't you pitch me on the idea of, of commercial leasing real quick? The reason I like starting um, my team members and my commercial agents off with leasing transactions um, when they're entering into commercial real estate is one, the leases and the structure of those leases and the income from those leases, fully understanding that, um, that lease income is what supports the value of any commercial building. And to utilize that as a foundation of your understanding to get into commercial real estate is so very important. Um, in addition to that, they don't have to go through the title company. They don't have to go through the lender. So they are much shorter in time frame uh, from start to finish. And your commissions are really a lot similar to your residential commissions right now as well. So you're going to have the entire value of your lease. You take your commission percentage of the total value of that lease. That's what you get paid at the time the lease is executed. So, um, and I always build in a minimum um, on my leasing transactions as well for my clients that, you know, if we're representing a tenant, it's a minimum of $2,500 or whatever percentage you want to charge for your commission, um, that's um, what I do. Nice little thing to make sure that you have a couple of those coming in every month and then you can sell it. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, I often recommend to brand new realtors to get into leasing just to get your feet wet because tenant leads are so easy to generate. Um, like you could sit, I mean, especially in Chicago, I mean, you could, you could lease three, three a week if you were really trying hard and that's pretty solid income. You're typically in my area, you get 50% of whatever the rent is, which is going to be between 800 and, you know, like $2,000, not too bad. I mean, that beats pretty much any average job out there. Um, so marketing for residential tenants is super easy. What kind of strategies do you teach your agents to find commercial tenants? It's all about networking. In your networking, there's never been a networking event that I went to that did not come around full circle that I regretted going to. It's never going to hurt you to get in front of somebody and understand their business and where they're at and um just, just know, learning about the businesses in your area and the people who are running them and networking with them is going to benefit you in every stage of your business as you scale as a commercial realtor it is. And um, you can do a couple different things. There's always, I mean, we have business groups specific for business owners here that we network with. Um, there's groups where you have to kind of pay to play, be a part of those networking events. You can choose to do that. You can um, do certain things like connecting on LinkedIn to business owners. You can even go on Facebook because usually business owners will manage their own Facebook group pages and introduce yourself through Facebook Messenger. And, you know, is there anything I can help you with? Are you familiar with when your lease ends? We'd be more than happy to provide an overview for you. 
uh, whatever we can do to help uh, make you understand, you know, let you understand when when you might need to, to start making those conversations with your landlord or start transitioning. Whatever we can do is your space working for you, how's it not working for you. Um, there's so many different things that you can do to network and get in front of um, business owners in addition to, and we have so many different cities here in the Kansas City area, but, you know, even Chamber of Commerce, the list can go on. So I won't ramble there, but, um, you know, if anybody has any questions or hardship on trying to get in front of business owners, um, Facebook is a great place to go find some groups in your area. Yeah, and some of them are just, you know, like DuPage County business owners or something like that. It's just like, hey, here we are. Come come find us. Um, absolutely tremendous. I totally agree. Like, I like B2B so much more than B2C because everybody's so easy to find. Um, they're all over LinkedIn. Like, it's, they're everywhere. I mean, it's really not that hard to find these people. I think one difficulty that people will have is how do they add value to whoever these business owners are, especially if they're new. So like, how would they approach these conversations in a way that is not, hey, I'm a realtor, I wanna get your business, because that doesn't work. <laughs> well, the last networking event that uh, we went to, it was a lot of, you know, it just introducing myself, hey, I'm a commercial realtor, and um, what are you, what is your business, tell me about your business, and you know, if they're looking for space or if they need help with something, or if they know somebody who would need help with something, they're going to speak up and say, actually, you could help me. And those are great conversations. Even if I can help them with space, knowing about their business, maybe I'm talking to somebody else in the room later and I'm like, oh, you know what? That lady actually, or that gentleman actually has something um, where you, you two should be. And so networking is, you know, for me, all about not what I can do for you or how it, it's what do you need? And even if I can provide it, just understanding where they're at, what their needs are, and being able to make connections if it's with me and we can provide value for you directly, great. If it's indirectly, great. That's I 100% agree with you. Um, so typically if I'm at a marketing event and I'm meeting somebody, like it's going to be almost 80% questions. Like, hey, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Um, and, and things of that nature. I want it to be a genuine conversa conversation, number one, because I want them to know, like, and trust me, if you show interest in somebody else, that, that it's a lot easier to do than, hey, I'm a realtor. Do you need a place to lease or something like that. A lot of people go at it that way. And I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you're so genuine. If you show genuine interest in somebody, they often reciprocate. And if you let them do most of the talking, most people tend to like you. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. Um, because if somebody's dominating a conversation that they, they tend to enjoy that conversation. So I, I love everything you went into there. So you typically start your agents off at leasing which makes a lot of sense because not only are they still networking with people that might eventually buy, but as you mentioned before, they're learning cap rates and things of that nature. So it's an all around learning experience. So what does the progression look like once you have somebody that is doing well on the leasing end? Again, um, I'll get into the, how you expect to transition through the leasing learning curve. 
Um, but back to your previous comment, it does bring me back when I first started, when I first got licensed, I spent all day, every day on the phone, reaching out to people, connecting with them, um, talking to them. Can I get on the phone and just learn more about you? And they're like, what do you want? I was like, I just want to get to know you where you're at in your business. And January every year is always a very um, important place for me in my business because we reach out to all of our clients and make sure we fully understand where they are with their goals. And it's the same thing with people that are not yet your clients. What are your goals for the year? And um, you'll learn very quickly, especially as um, an agent, that you don't get to pick your own goals and monetary goals. My goals every year are to help make my help my clients meet you. And that's how things come back. Um, so January is a great time. If you're not out networking and getting to know people and where they're at and what their goals are, January is when everybody is setting those goals and get in front of people and start meeting them where they're at. Um, so leasing, when it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, when you start something new and you're not quite sure what it looks like start to finish and we can like drag them along with us and, um, you know, they're, they're just watching and observing. And we do a lot of work like in the field, outside of the classroom. Um, and they're, you know, they're really shadowing. Um, once they go through that transaction start to finish and they go, Oh, okay. Now I see. And so then the second transaction, they're much more hands on. They're taking phone calls. They're building phone calls. They're starting to review leases and talk about creative solutions and negotiations and options and all of those things. Um, and by the time you get into like that third or fourth one, they're very much to the place where they can run those transactions start to finish. Every deal is always different. I learn something new myself every day, but they're in a place where they can and run with it and maybe just circle back and ask so it's a very very short learning once you get through the first two that makes total sense um because i mean it transitions exactly the same in the residential world for some reason people think doing a lease is just going to be easier and i'm like actually it's kind of harder um <laughs> um but it's like, if you could do a lease, all of a sudden you get a couple of those under your belt. It's like, oh, selling the house is essentially the same process. You can do that too. So, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. So once they make the transition from leasing to looking to list commercial properties, I'm imagining this is still largely based on networking. Um, but are there any other strategies out there in order to find commercial buildings for sale? Like obviously with... Residential, you could call expireds or FISVOs or something like that. You could do a lot of cold calling. What, what other marketing strategies are there? Or is it, I mean, pretty much everybody in the commercial game, I know they just say network, network, network. I strongly believe, and this is how we made much more than even than an average residential agent and even much more than, is that if you represent a buyer, who is building a portfolio of commercial real estate, that is a repeat client. You were able to put the time in to network and build a relationship 
a working relationship with them and they will continue to use you as they build their portfolio. If you are spinning your wheels trying to find a building owner to list their property with you, you are going to sell that property once and you got to start all over again. And all of the um, property owners who have built relationships with agents who help them purchase that property, or if they're building portfolios, they already have a working relationship with somebody, you're that much further down. Like you, It's just an uphill battle. Why would you focus on listings? Because you need an extra set of skills to truly advise your clients on what buying a property looks like. I am not a sales and marketing person. Listing a property for me is much more difficult than me coming in and running numbers and underwriting a deal and truly being able to understand start to finish in all of the due diligence of what an investor looks for. So it's a lot of the same learning curve for people who are looking to buy commercial real estate. They also need to know the same things, like how to underwrite a deal. These are all the same things that these commercial agents that I are learning as well. Um, it, it's just, it's all about being able to properly represent yourself, being able to properly represent somebody else's best and. I come back to it time and time again. You can you can list a property, you can make those cold calls, you can prospect every single day, get those listings, advertise them, sell them, and you know cross your fingers. But um, get repeat clients, get buyer clients, and grow with them. There are so many investors who are looking to build portfolios. And we have a number of clients who we started with early on, and our business is growing with their business. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. So, I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me. I am strongly opposed to anybody that's chasing one transaction at a time because there are far more efficient ways to do things. Um, this makes a lot of sense. So you're focusing more on the buy side because you find investors that are looking to purchase a lot of commercial properties. You don't need to sell 50 commercial properties a year to make a good living because these tend to cost a lot more than your typical residential property, right? So if you get one investor that's going to buy three a year, it's probably enough to live off of. But if you get 10 of them, it's like, oh, all of a sudden you have a massive business and you only have like a very small client pool that you could treat like like kings and queens or whatever they want to be treated like. You could give them all the attention they need because you have such a small basis. I love that. Very cool. So are you looking for people starting a portfolio generally then, as opposed to people that are kind of on the higher end that already have a large portfolio? Are you trying to attract the people with the large portfolio as well, who likely already have a commercial broker? You know, I think that at this point in my career, um, it's both. I do want to say, keep in mind that I came from 
the CMBS world, and I managed a $7 billion portfolio. And these were large loans. So we have loans that were $250 million, $1.1 billion in outstanding principal balance. And you'd have one loan that had 80 apartment costs, right? Um, so when I first started, that was what I knew and what I'm very capable of advising my clients on. And if you have one or two very large balance transactions that you're working on and they don't come to fruition, then you're not paying your bill, right? And it's a lot of, you know, I mentioned again, sometimes you're, you're not in control of your monetary goals as much as um, your clients. Okay. And we're working in their, it's in their best interest to meet their goals, not about me. Right. So that's, that's the thing. The best thing that I did for my business was to take a step back and, and build it from the ground up, just like I'm telling everybody else, you start with leasing transactions, get consistent income from me, and every month your bills are paid, that's running like clockwork. Now you scale it and you start working with buyers who are building their portfolios and now their purchase prices are increasing because they're scaling their business. And you know, you're you're able to um I, you get a lot of referrals and somebody to you like, hey, I'm looking or I've networked with somebody and they're circling and, hey, I want to spend this much money. And um, all of those things we're very capable of doing, but um, we needed to let the business itself build and um, let it grow. Absolutely. I love how you're focused on your clients' goals instead of yours. Um, it's like the book, The Go-Giver, right? I probably say this too much, but the window you give through is the window that you get through. The more value you provide to other people, the more value you get in return. A lot of people fail to realize that. So like, you're not even thinking like, oh, Jolene, I'm going to sell all these commercial buildings this year and I'm going to crush it and I'm going to make X amount of money. You're thinking, I want to help this many people and simply helping those people results in money. It's a much better mindset to have because it's actually more fulfilling too. Um, because unfortunately, like if you go chasing the money, you're going to find, I found, um, and most people do, when you chase money, you're not going to find any happiness ever. And the people that we work with, their their mindset is just fabulous. We're surrounded by such really, really great people. And we're not coming into any year saying, hey, we're going to make a million dollars this year. It's, you know talking to our clients, what are their goals, um, all of those things. And that's just how it works. I actually haven't read The Go-Giver, but I was reading Social Prosper recently, and it, it talks about, reiterates that too, uh, you know, giving and receiving and selling and raising. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. So you come from commercial mortgage-backed securities. We don't need to dive deep into this if you want. But are you, are you comfortable explaining that for the layman? Is it pretty much the same thing as the residential one, or is it a little bit more? Um, is it a little bit more detailed? If it's too much, we could just pass on this one. I'm not familiar with the residential one, but I can tell you that 
you know, when I first got a job uh, at the company that I worked for, um, I came into my interview and I didn't even know what commercial real estate. Uh, the lady was so very gracious on the interview and she explained commercial real estate is their properties that are income producing properties. So the, it's able to generate income as a commercial property. Um, pretty much anything that's not a four unit property owner. We all know that. So it's a lot about structure in commercial mortgage backed securities. When you do a residential transaction, you have one buyer or couple, you know, married couple, um, maybe, and then you have a lender. So in commercial real estate, you can have structures where there are multiple buyers and multiple lenders. So things can get layered, but usually when you get into much larger balance stuff. Even when you have one buyer and one lender, the lender on a CMBS, not everything is a CMBS deal. Um, you have um, life company loans, which are, you know, when you get life insurance policy, they're going to invest that in commercial real estate sometimes. And those need to be very, very, very solid, low-risk properties. So properties that fit the criteria can be sold for life company placement or underwritten for that purpose. The MBS is like the next tier down where there's still certain requirements on being able to um, have the bank give you a CMBS. Okay. Work with the mortgage broker. They'll make sure your, your loan's placed, especially in state there. So they lend you a million dollars for a property. They're going to turn around and package up all kinds of loans, and they're going to sell it in the market and tell the buyer Right, it's actually a group of buyers. In ten years, you will have earned all of the interest from this loan. Plus, they're going to pay back the principal balance. We lent them a million dollars, but you're going to be able to recoup two million dollars. We're going to sell it to you today for one point five. So they immediately make five hundred thousand, and now there is this group of investors who have invested into the debt on that commercial real estate property. And you have one person who is the asset manager who is working on behalf of that entire group of investors who have invested into the debt. And there's documents that are drafted saying like, you can do this without other people's consent. You need to check with, you know, like there's things that things go sideways, different things you need to do or different people who will. That is CMBS. And on your CMBS loan, you, and this is why I, I kind of went in to this route, um, in, in what I'm doing because everybody is so very focused on buying right and underwriting. Okay. Yeah. There are a lot of things that can happen during your ownership that really allow you to realize your returns are. It's not all about your entrance, it's all about your Your returns are realized during ownership and how you manage your own assets. Um, we like to try and keep a second. Um, 
you know, closing in clients, but we need to understand what day one of ownership looks like and what they're buying and what they are thinking of and what those risks are. So CMBS, that CMBS, uh, your CMBS loan documents are a lot different than your Laser Pro documents with your, you know, credit union lender. Um, the things that you want to watch out for if you're getting CMBS loan extension is that you may have some trigger where they can start capturing the excess cash from the property to profit. Um, so you want to make sure you're not hitting those triggers. And sometimes if you hit those triggers, you cannot come out of it. Meaning they're, you're not able to take any cash flow from that property until that loan is repaid in eight or ten years. So, yeah, can be I get you. I know it was a dense question, so I apologize for asking it. But the reason I did is because I imagine that your experience in that industry is extremely valuable in what you're doing now, right? Because you understand things at a much higher level than probably 95% of your competition, right? Yeah, and even looking at financials, um, you know, when we you first start there as a company, you're, you're running um, numbers. So you're taking what the property owners provided on their, we call them operating statements, your P&Ls, your income expenses, you're going to make certain industry standard adjustments, like setting taxes to the actual amount due and paid and running capex out over a period of time, and asking questions. Hey, this is extremely different from last quarter. What's going on? Is this right? This doesn't make sense. Um, and notating those. So we would do, we were running, I think I went through like, it was like 700 of order uh, to bring a lot of financials, right? And then I did like the large loan balance financials, which um, are very, very, very um, involved. And so I know how to run tax and insurance, escrow analysis. I know how to look at financial statements. I understand how money is moving in the market. You know, I have a degree in economics and finance and Spanish. And so all of those things collectively over the last 20 years, are extremely valuable, not just to me, but to my team, to be able to just piggyback on, on that and, and from Brayden. Right yep. Well, that's why I asked, yep. because I, I, knew it, it, I knew it had to give you a tremendous advantage. So I wanted to get in there a little bit, and it was a little bit dense. So I imagine you didn't, you didn't even touch the residential world at all. You probably went right to commercial as soon as you got your license. And one... Before I was like, no, you can do leasing. Um, and I did, you know, my, my friends will come to me and say, Hey, you know, can you help us buy a house? But honestly, if you're doing it, I'm not, it's the paperwork is so much greater on residential. I don't like residential. If you are working, I mean, eight to five, Monday through Friday and doing working as a commercial realtor. And then doing residential, like evenings and weekends, you're working 24 hours, you're going to feel like, right? People want to look at houses when they get off work. You're going to hate it. Pick one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
So I never even made this connection. So if you're working as a commercial broker, you're typically working daytime hours. Mm. We, we, we hold our family time very valuable. And um, it's very rare that we're working evenings or weekends. Mm. And usually, we, I mean, we can start our day at nine and wrap up at four or five, six, whatever, you know, just depending on the day. So you make more money. You don't have to work nights and weekends. What other perks do these commercial realtors have that I don't know about? <laughs> My favorite, favorite days are when I get to put millions of dollars of commercial real estate under contract. And I'm like in some flat in my office at home. And that is a great. I can only imagine. Um, absolutely fantastic <laughs> stuff. Um, this has been tremendous. And um, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. If you had a billion dollars in the bank, a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, Jolene, what would you be doing with your time? You know, um, you recently had Nathan Brooks on uh, your podcast. And so if everybody hasn't watched that one with him, watch it. He's got a book that I'm in the middle of reading and his mentions, you know, talking about building your life around more than just monetary gains. Um, you know, it's a line in there that says, you know, money solves money problems. And so, you know, it's a great question for you to ask because it, it takes people out of that mindset of, you know, what what is your life really about besides just money, right? Um, and if I had a billion dollars in the bank, Remind me again, you want to know what I would be doing every day? Or what? How would you structure your life? What would you do? What I would do. You could you could tell me what you would do with your money. Mm -hmm. You know, some people tell me like you could tell me what you would use that money for, or you could just tell me how your day would be. This is totally up to you. The reason I asked the question is precisely what you just said, because I'm eliminating money from the equation. A lot of people still want to work, and that's okay. (laughs) So there's no wrong answer here. Love what I do, but I think that you know my business itself also is something that should be greater than just me and my life. What we're all here building businesses for, um, we're all building businesses for our kids and next generations, and and for something greater. And you know, so I'd I'd like to continue on my same path and and build that. Um, and yeah, probably uh, I don't know, throw some gravel in my driveway and take a trip around the world. (laughs) That's what that would look like. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, So Jolene, as you mentioned, January, everybody's thinking about their goals. What are your goals for 2023? Goals. um, Their clients meet their goals. Um, In part of that for us, um, in order to help them meet their goals as they grow, um, then we are continuing to structure, um, my team and I, uh, we're, we're continuing to structure, um, our business in a way that will help support their growth. Okay. So, um, uh, I'm getting my broker's license, um, so that I can choose to, um, open up my own brokerage and that will allow to bring other people, um, other agents on and train them. So that way when we have 
more clients um, than we can handle, we can bring people on to help assist those clients, which is a beautiful thing. And pretty much handing here, here's a client, right? Um, and we've already we already know how you how you work and and all of that sort of thing. Um, I also own commercial commissions, so commercialcommissions.com. Um, that is something that I'm very excited about, um, which will allow residential agents the opportunity to learn how to become commercial realtors um, in the, the same way that I've, I've taught everybody else. Right? Um, let's, let's get you some basic understanding, get you out of the classroom, let's get you um, earning commercial um, and then schooling. So, um, those are my goals this year. That's what we have on the, on the, on the table. Love it. I love it how your goals go right to helping people again. So the, the website you have then that's, that's not for people just local to you. That's. No, mm -mm, no. If you're local, it's a little bit easier where, you know, you can um, get some shadow opportunities, but I do have clients, clients um, twice a year. And so, you know, anybody in, in that program um, could have an opportunity to come out and, shadow those type of days and really consolidate um, viewing the process to finish, which is finding properties, looking at properties, um, interacting with investors, running numbers, talking to lenders about it, writing up contracts. Those are, those are long days. <laughs> yeah, it is open to anybody nationwide. Um, absolutely. Very cool. So um, besides that website, um, if anybody listening wanted to reach out to you, Jolene, what would be the best way for them to do so? Or should they just go there? <laughs> they could go there. I also have a website, which is uh, kccommercial.realestate. And uh, you can find my direct telephone number there. Uh, my email address is jolene at thecommercialqueen.com. And you're welcome to connect with me there as well. Absolutely fantastic. Jolene, the commercial queen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. Strongly consider transitioning from the residential game to the commercial game. It sounds like there's a lot of perks. I'm not telling you to do it, but think about it. Think about it for seven days. Tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in. And we will catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 